<laughs> this is possibly this is possibly the goofiest name of the episode ever. <laughs> hey, this is Rob, and welcome to question number sixty-three. Game of Thrones. Why are you going to do me like that? <laughs> I can't even. I, I can't even say it. With, I can't even make it's it through good. this title. Okay, uh, how do you, how you say the title? Game of Thrones. Why are you going to do me like that? It's my conversation over beers with my friends Jordan Myers, Brian Lenz, and Nate Babs. <sighs> quick, uh, quick, get gather me gather yourself. Hey, um, uh, in front of you, there's that that uh, massive red button that's about three feet in diameter. I had it uh, installed right in the middle of the table. Do you see that right in front yeah. of you? Do you mind hitting that? That starts the uh, the podcast theme song. Mew. <laughs> Good, huh? Yeah. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. Why do you ask me? Are you talking to me? Who are you? Pop quiz, hot shot. Quick to call. Hey guys, this is Rob Morgan. <laughs> hey, listen, this is my intro. Uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, my name is Rob Morgan, and for the past decade, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director. This is my podcast, where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people I've met to try and get past what it is they do, to find out who they are, why they do it, and what I can learn from them. From, uh, why, from them! And from them, and what I can learn from them. I'm joined, as always, on these intros by my wife, Sarah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we're getting weird. Okay, I'm standing right now because I'm not allowed to sit. Because, because we've, sitting Rob is rambly Rob. Because we've realized that recording these podcast episodes, if I am sitting down, I get too comfortable. I want to I dive in uh, and really break things down. Let's have a conversation. Let's dive in. I got shrimp to cook, man. Sarah has no time for it. We're reading shrimp. Hey, I am so glad we don't have to deal with sponsors on this podcast or else I would have to tell you that, you know, <clears throat> I had a little, I had, I've got a little catch in my throat. We had some uh, trail mix just a second ago, right before recording, and I feel like I want to wash it down. But I don't want to wash it down with just anything. I want to wash it down with a beer. And when I reach for a beer, I reach for a Guinness. I can offer you <laughs> oh my a gosh, pint it's getting of mother's so, milk. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look at that. Oh, look at that. That's a perfect pour Guinness. Cheers. Prost. Prost. Oh, wrong one. Slancha. Slancha. I think I'm just going to keep doing this uh, until I get in trouble. But when I interview uh, different people on this podcast, I like to, uh, if they're cool with it, play a song from them. So here's the deal. At the very end of this conversation, I'm going to play two songs for you. One of them is from a band called Oklahoma, who I'm going to be playing with in Minneapolis this week. If you are in Minneapolis, uh, June 20th, Lake Harriet Band Shell, I'm going to be playing with a band called Oklahoma at 7.30, swing on out. Uh, I'd love to see you there. I'm going to be there this week. Also, coming up, uh, July 2nd, I'm actually really pumped about this. I'm going to be guest bartending at a distillery slash, I mean, it's a tap room a cocktail room what do you call what do you t call 
Um, a cocktail room. Breweries have tap rooms. Some distilleries have cocktail rooms. I am going to be a guest bartender at Lawless Distillery, July 2nd from 5 to 8 p.m. Come on out. I'm really pumped about this, Sophie. We have $5 drinks that they have come up with specifically for this podcast. It's going to be a blast. There's going to be a Guinness-themed drink. It's going to be a surprise, so I can't dive when, what into what it's going to be. It's going to be a cocktail that tastes like a Guinness. It's fascinating. I'm really pumped about it. We've got a few more curious cocktails. Those are going to be surprises that night. Come on in. $5 cocktails, $5 shots, and there's free pizza. From I think free pizza is like from 4 to 10. Mm. Uh, but if you are in Minneapolis, either of those dates, I would love to hang out with you. Come on out. Hang out with us. Here's my... I mean, let's just dive straight in this episode, Hovi. This conversation completely encompasses what I think this curious journey that I'm on is all about, and this is why. I was having a conversation with my buddy Nate Babs, who was on a previous episode of this podcast. I'm going to link that in the show notes below if you want to listen to it. We were talking about Game of Thrones season eight this year, and we we had both watched it. I love this show. It's one of my favorite TV shows that has come out, but for some reason, season eight... I wasn't a, I wasn't a big fan of. Yeah, I mean they I would say that it felt very rushed. The way it ended the whole series just kind of left us a little bummed out. We don't feel like it lived up to the awesomeness that Game of Thrones was and we we're like we should hey, we should sit down and record a conversation talking about Game of Thrones season 8. Uh, maybe hey, let's and then they escalate a little bit like hey, let's actually do it at one of our favorite bars in Minneapolis. We'll go to Merlin's Rest. And he was all about it. And then he even texted me afterwards. He goes, hey, I've got a better idea. What if we invite our friends Brian and Jordan and we sit down and the four of us just have a conversation, see what happens. So we sat down over beers at Merlin's Rest in South Minneapolis. And what started out as a conversation that was going to be all about Game of Thrones. But what ended up happening was a conversation that ended up going, like, why am I surprised? Why, haven't, why am I even announcing this? Because this is how most of the conversations go. It starts out one way. The conversation goes way deeper than I had planned on, and it was a blast. So let's just dive into it. Here is my conversation with Jordan Myers, Brian Lenz, Nate Babs, over Guinness at Merlin's Rest in South Minneapolis, talking about Game of Thrones. Let's start it like this. Let's start by, we'll go around, because yep. there's four of us here. Yeah. Let's go around, say your name just so people can get uh, context, and then say, give me an adjective or descriptor of your level of fandom that you would describe yourself with Game of Thrones. So like amateur, if you're just a casual fan or whatever yep. that is. Yeah. Jordan Myers, ambivalence. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Brian Lenz, and I'm a Game of Thrones hobbyist. My name is Nate Babs, and I am a Game of Thrones enthusiast. That's putting it lightly. That's lightly. I bet that... I'm not like a deep books guy, though. Yeah. I'm much, I know way more about the, the show than I do the books. You have yeah. read a, a book. 
I've read the first book, okay, and, and then the first like third or quarter of the of the second one, and I I had waited too long before starting the second yes. one, and I forgot who everyone was. And How I many just books spend, are out right now, by the way? Is it five full on five or six? But there's okay. like seven and eight still coming. Yeah, there's still two that are due. Yeah, that they have no release date or anything. Yet. Okay. Um. So you're a strong enthusiast. Strong enthusiast, particularly on the show side. I don't pretend to be a deep book lore. I'm going to step in and just move you to the level of uh, regional expert. Regional expert. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take take it. Just for conversational. I'll take it. I would consider myself to be a, uh, oh man, because I was going to say enthusiast. But if you're considering yourself to be an enthusiast, I feel like I'm not to your level before. Haven't read the books. I've seen every episode. Yeah. Rewatched. Okay. Sarah and I like. Apprentice? Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. Enthusiast. Enthusiastic apprentice. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, good. I like that. Enthusiastic novice, and educated, uh, educated amateur. N- educated amateur. Okay, <laughs> maybe that's yeah. where I'm going. Where I would like to start is by quickly getting out of the way the disclaimer of what I'm actually disappointed by. Okay, wait, before, before you oh, say yeah. that, time restriction. Do you? When do you have to be out of here? Uh, a little after seven. You guys, you guys are good hour for a three-hour conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So. So I do want to say that. Um, what I'm not disappointed by in this show, in this even in this last season, is performances. Okay. So the acting I thought was phenomenal for what they what they were given. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, music was amazing there's no such thing as bad visual effects anymore so like of course the show looks incredible costume it's, it's a, sets, a weekly movie of course yes yes okay. it's the budget is so big that yeah. like it's not gonna look or sound bad yeah and they're not gonna have bad performances so yes. like all that stuff all the negative things I've got to say about it have nothing to do with those things so like the perform like the acting of like I thought yeah. Peter Dinklage just destroyed it in the last Two, last two episodes especially, he was so good. Yeah, and now this is, and Jordan's standing on the table, nodding her head, saying yes, that you agree <laughs> yeah, with it was that. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful performance. Bye, bye, Peter Dinklage. Yeah, actually, the last movie I saw him in was last night, and it was called Death at a Funeral. Oh, he was in that. He is in that movie. How are we doing on beers? I'll do another. No, no, you can interrupt. Us. I'll do another Guinness. Another Guinness. Yeah. I'm good. Good. I'm good. Thank you. And so. I've you seen, seen how much? I think I saw all of season one. Yeah. Season, how many seasons were there total? Eight. 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 Just seasons finished up. two through seven. Yes. I saw most episodes of every season. Yeah. I'd say I've missed a couple here and there, and I didn't go back to catch up on them. Yeah. And then I saw every episode of the final season. Yes. And so I, I know the whole story. I feel like I know the arc of where, where the characters came from, but I never thought about Game of Thrones aside from when I was watching it. Like I didn't mill over the characters in my mind. You were like, losing oh, I sleep. Hope this happens. I yes. hope that happens. Okay. I was not invested. Yeah. Do you, is, do you guys get into nerdy stuff? Are you yes. you Star Wars like no. fans um, or anything else? I'm Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Lies. <laughs> Old face lies. You guys are both in my D and D. Both in my D and D group. No. Yeah, are you guys? Yeah, in? this is true. Yeah. Also, a Renfest recent convert. Yes, I just yes. got. I got. I got. But uh, not I got her Star Wars. In. Okay. I do. I couldn't give two fucks about Star Wars. <laughs> I've seen almost everything Star Trek there is in existence. Star Trek. I don't know if you know this did about you, me. Did so you? Good. I did not. But did you see the new teaser trailer? No. With 
Oh, Picard? Picard. Yeah. Picard's my boy, but I've not really? seen it yet. Yeah. Sir Pat is back, yeah. baby. Did you go to Renfest this year? Or You've gone two years. Okay. I did. I joined. I get uh, a virtually the... free ticket through the bocce ball tournament yeah. with oh, Nate Babs. Yes, yeah. you're in on that. Oh, yeah. yeah been, I've been doing that, that for nine years. This was my second yes. year. Yes. I also dressed up. Yeah, Man. I got I. Uh, she's a she's a costume convert. No, oh, wait. I'm, okay, I'm you excited, did dress up this year. I'm an excited fantasy um, hobbyist. Yes, but you've also been reading. Enthusiastic. I've also tossed you a few novels that you've yeah, been. Yeah, I've been, been reading. reading the fantasy novels. What novel? Um, Name of the Wind. Got and into the King oh, of Wise Man's. Fear. Fear. Yeah. <laughs> Nate got me into those. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so, and I was so been, pissed when you told uh, me like halfway through the second book that the series wasn't. That the third book isn't out yet. I was like. No, I've so, been spreading the gospel. Of, so I think of that I've what I've heard about Game of Thrones feels like it might be a good fit for me. So maybe yeah, I'll know okay. by the end of this if it's worth watching. Although I feel like I'll get all the spoilers, but that's fine. I'm not worried about spoilers. Okay, but Harry Potter books, you're oh, in. Oh yeah, I've read them all. Yeah, I read them kind of. I cycle through them. I used to nanny, so I'd just like oh. take their books and read through them over and over and over. <laughs> like, okay. just, I was constantly reading through the yes. Harry Potter series until they moved to Boston. So, I, and even in Boston, oh, I, I like went out so there to much. visit and yes. I'd take the books and I'd go home and I'd read them and I'd yeah, read yeah. them back. Like, as yeah. if I couldn't get them from someone here. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you have like an entire suitcase just for. <laughs> yeah, just for Harry Potter. I have a set of Harry Potter books in Boston. I have my Minneapolis set. Yeah. They're all right. just stored in hidden places. Yeah, no, I. Um, I yeah. It's like stupid how cool I think Harry Potter is. <laughs> yes, good. Harry, I, Harry Potter is because Harry Potter is kind of a similar thing to the deep Game of Thrones stuff because you either have well, the levels of Harry Potter fandom is oh, yeah. the first level is well I've seen some of the movies. Second level is I've seen all the movies I love it. Then you have the books. Yeah, like people that go books. really all books. I'm all books. I've seen the movies by default because I nannied children who watch the movies. But yeah. the movies were totally secondary to me. Like, okay. Almost not important at all. Interesting. I only okay. cared about the books, and I was like, oh, the movies. Well. I'm yes. way more book person. I'm just 100% books. Okay, because that's what I'm interested in too. Because with uh, the man, we're just getting nerdy here. That, no, that's, uh, that's, that's the whole point. Yeah, that's the whole point. Nerdy. The I my what's your theory on? Starting with books and going to movies second because I feel like people typically that start with a book and Then make their way to the movie. Those are the people that hate the movies Yeah, I right? think is that, is that generally speaking that tends to be the, the trend. I would say That it's a lot easier to go from movie to book Yes. Just because, like, yeah. that's how you, that's your that's your gateway in. Like, it's a gateway you know, job, you yes. go to see you go to see. The, let's say, let's use Harry Potter. You go to see the first Harry Potter movie. Yeah. That takes two hours, mm-hmm. and you've seen the whole story and you're hooked. Whereas reading the whole, I know that one isn't as big as some of the later books are, but that's a really easy way to get into the story, and well, then it's just easy to continue. Movies give you like the plot line. And then you get the basic plot. And some of the details are different. Right. Yes. You get the idea. And so when you're working through the book, you're like, when are we going to get to that part? And then it kind of like, you don't realize what was missing from the movie when you're reading the book because it just fills everything out. Yeah. But if you are a book aficionado and you convert to movie, you're like, they're skipping that important detail that I right. really valued from the book mm-hmm. and it's not in there and you it can... feels quintessential to the plot of the movie. And then you realize like, oh, well, these script writers actually like, are smart and they realize that they could still deliver the same content without all of the details. That there's yes. no way to include but, all of them, but right, you can but find then, the heart like, of the story. Still, as a movie or as a book reader, I want like 
all the details. And as a person, a human being on Earth, I love all the details. I want all the information. Yes. I want to see the characters grow. I want to see the change and like the development of each individual. And like you just can't get into that in movies. And so, I don't know. I actually was just asking Nate today because we were talking about coming to this discussion. Yeah. And I was like, should I just read the books of Game of Thrones? And he's like, oh, they have a huge family tree in the back, and it's confusing, and you get lost on who the people are. And I was like, nah, I don't know. I think I find that kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'm just on the wrong side of the media. I don't... Okay, it's interesting you're saying that with the books comparison to the movies, because the cool thing about Harry Potter is that they... The movies... Uh, follow the storyline, the plot line, like you're saying, of the books. So there's not a big difference. But then you go to something like Lord of the Rings, or maybe even now, even more extreme, Game of Thrones, yep. from what I've heard, that they're completely changing things from the books. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is a weird one, too, because the show went beyond yeah. where the books have even gotten to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know that there was... They were talking to George R. R. Martin yeah. while they were working on these later seasons. So I, th- I th- I'm pretty sure he gave them sort of plot points yeah. that he knew was gonna ha- gonna happen. But there's gonna be differences between, and he knows that everybody's known that since we all knew that the show was gonna go beyond the books. Once that was figured out, it was kind of like, okay, how? What does that mean? Like, so there is still room. Oh, thank you. Uh, Top off. Yeah. There is still room for stuff to change. Yeah. But the main I feel like the main plot points are gonna remain stay the same. To to Says a point, I, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Because again, I haven't been reading the books. So yeah. I, I don't really know fully I don't fully grasp how Weird. different it well, has been up really to this point. Cool. I've never heard of this before where the show or the movie exceeds the books and yeah. gets ahead of it. And so I can only imagine yes. that someone that has read all the books would have to just view this as a totally separate thing. Like, it's split off. Oh, yeah. And the show is its own experience. It's like fan fiction yeah. TV yeah. style. Yeah, 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 basically. And that, like, it's not even a comparable thing, necessarily. That, like, the show is not a representation of the books. Just, like, this world split into two parts. And you could read the books, yeah. or you could watch the show, and they're yeah. different things. Yeah. And when they leave, when they leave, there's a few things from the books that, are, like, are really big in the books that would have completely guided them in this final season in terms of like prophecies that were a central part of Mm. the books that they don't even bring they don't even put into the show at all by the way let's get in there (laughs) I'm gonna put at the beginning of this like a massive oh here's a side note by the way spoilers I was gonna say at the beginning of this well at what this is I was also gonna pick your guys' brains on this what is your guys' theory on the the length of time after a movie comes out or an episode or a show that comes out where you shouldn't have to say spoilers. Mm. What's the buffer period of that? I don't know. I mean, people who are enthusiasts (laughs) will probably say like a few days, but people who are not enthusiasts who like need time to be convinced to become an enthusiast, like it took me years to get behind Parks and Rec, but now that it's totally done, I've like been watching it like a binge watcher. Yes. And so... Other things like Fight Club, where I was kept in the dark for over 20 mm, years. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's pretty impressive. I saw it actually. for the first time a few months ago and I was like, oh my God. Like, I had no idea. Yeah, but if Fight Club came out like 20 years ago, 
Are you going to be pissed if you read a spoiler? But it's the like whole the world kept it secret yeah, from yeah, yeah. me. Oh, really? It was amazing. I oh, had really? no yeah. idea. I literally was like jaw dropping. Like how in the world did I not uh-huh. know this? Really? It's the second yes. rule of Fight Club I think, is keep this movie a well, secret. Well, that's the first yeah, yeah. rule. Do not talk <laughs> about Fight <laughs> 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 Club. That was the only rule. Uh, no, yeah. And they kept I think, it from me. I had yes. no idea. Oh, so I won't so say good. anything else I about it. I think it's proportionate to the size of the spoiling. Okay. So Fight Club is a perfect example where like if you've seen Fight Club, you, as a citizen of the world, have an obligation. I have, a, I have a great example for this yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of ga- uh, Game of yeah. Thrones. Everybody who had read the books knew that the Red Wedding was coming. Yeah. But nobody spoiled it because it was so huge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. so, like, when the Red Wedding happened on the show... Yeah. Like the country kind of shut down for a couple days. <laughs> Not my country, but yes. Oh yeah. But like of anybody who was a show watcher, like it was Not like my country. It Not was my like show. world changing, you yeah, know. Yeah. And so like and but like the all the book readers knew that book had been out for years at that yes. point. So like the book readers sort of collectively silently agreed we're not going to yeah. spoil the red wedding. That's good. Okay, yeah, I think it is. It's a collective consciousness. That you just know, or you like just, you just. I feel like you would be like if you were in their position. <laughs> yeah. There's a bit of like it this, this would this would make me furious if someone spoiled yeah. this for me. So I'm gonna keep it to myself. It definitely, yeah. It requires empathy. I think in terms of just saying like, okay, yeah. if this would ruin it for me, like it's gonna ruin it for everyone else. Have you guys seen Avengers? No. I haven't. Not I, okay. Avengers at all. I haven't seen. I've it. seen. I haven't kept up. Seen? Okay. I kept, I kept I made up. it through like yeah. um, Tony Stark three. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the fr- the last Marvel Star thing I watched. Yes. Well, I've watched a few of like the standalones, like yeah, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy yeah. and Black Panther and the newest Spider-Man mm-hmm. stuff, um, like the Homecoming one with Michael yeah. Keaton, which was really good actually. But like other than that, I haven't like I haven't watched any of the Captain America. It's a I haven't. It's there's so many. Well, I haven't it started kept to get really like there were so many I got confused in them. Yes. Like what order that they went in, you know? Okay. I also I wasn't. Thors, I love the yeah, but I also wasn't a comic book kid growing up, so I don't have a strong attachment okay. to the Marvel universe at all. Yeah. It's they're fun. I really yeah. enjoyed them, the ones I've seen, but like it was never like a, a thing for me. That one's an interesting mix because you almost if you're gonna be in it, you have to see you. To get to Endgame, you almost want to have seen all of them, but there's freaking what is it? Like 22 movies? I know, yeah. So many. I think oh, that it's, it just it's like, it was like too many for me. It's I got insane. To, I got through like the first ten, and then yes. I was like, I don't even know what order they go in anymore. Oh yeah. And then I got yeah. yeah, yeah. It's almost the same. I okay. The reason I said Avengers Endgame, which I won't give spoilers to, then yeah. is that they were under. I think the actors and the media were under contract for two weeks. It was the first time I had heard about it because it's such a big deal. They everybody was under contract and not give any spoilers for two weeks. But then once that was up, they did mm. like a media release. Oh well, this is the uh, first time I've heard about that. It was I actually know. like a thing. This I year. saw a YouTube video that was like suggested for me. I didn't watch it, but it was a, mm-hmm. a suggested. It was Kevin Smith. You know, Kevin Smith is the director. He was he's uh, uh, Silent Bob, Jay yeah. and Silent Bob. Oh yeah. Um, so he's a huge comic book fan. Oh yeah. Like the day he's the greatest. By he's the way. really funny. I yeah. really enjoy him. But the, the day, the day after that movie came out, he posted a hour and a half long video, that and and the title was like, "Endgame spoilers." So like they're not stopping anybody from spoiling this, even okay. if the mainstream yeah, yeah. media isn't doing yeah. it. Like you, the moment that movie premieres, you can yeah, you can have it spoiled even, for you. Even like here's the honest truth. Like all I've heard about this Game of Thrones finale is that people hated it. And you know what? People are talking about it, so they're like, "Who cares?" 
Yeah. Because people are like, oh, they hated it. Like now everyone's curious, and so people who haven't been watching it are like, well, I want to know why they hated it so much. It's like good press is ba- or bad press is press. All press is good press. What's that? Yeah, thing? yeah. No such thing as yeah. bad press. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Especially because this Game of Thrones thing, it almost feels like since it's out, since it's not at a movie theater. Right, that kind of changes it. Yeah. Since you can watch it at home, at home. Yeah. everybody that's really going to be pissed if you hear a spoiler about it is, I mean, maybe a two-day buffer for people, but the real people saw it the night of. Yeah. I feel like I was texting friends of mine, like you, yeah. the night it came out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. I was texting with people as it was happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we all we all started it like right at eight o'clock, and so like, dude, I have no idea. I, I have no I idea were, how I, we were. I didn't know, know you were caught up. Yeah, I didn't know you were caught up. I would have. I would have yeah. been texting you the whole oh, time yeah. too. We'd have been go- doing like a. <laughs> I wanted to do like a Game of Thrones party. Oh, I. A friend of mine has been ho- had been hosting every week. Oh, really? Yeah. See so over there. And he has a huge TV and like a big sound oh, system, so it was pretty great. You don't want to come over for a laptop? <laughs> well, that's yeah. right. You don't have a TV. Do you? <laughs> Watch on your laptop from across the room. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that's funny. The, I forgot what I was going to say with that. Um, we were talking about spoilers and oh, yeah, yeah. how spoilers. long too long or... Yeah. I like Anyways, Brian's comment about being proportionate to these surprises. Yeah, it's not it. much of a surprise. I don't think it needs much oh, of a yeah. buffer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I was going to say but the... Then, like, Fight Club took me 20 years and thank yes. God. Okay, like uh, Sixth Sense I just watched. Oh, and yeah. I, I just watched it again recently, but I when I saw Sixth Sense, I saw it maybe like... Ten years after it came out, but right. that's another one. I feel like yeah. well, yeah. They, someone hasn't seen. Based on you, if they you haven't spo- seen it. They spoil that in the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Dwight, oh, Dwight Schrute spoils it. They probably yes. spoil it in the Simpsons. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Are like, you guys but but office? that was but that yeah, was like 2007. So that was ten years a after the movie, a decade yeah. after the movie came out. So yeah. Like at that point, they're like, we can just go for it. Yeah, we but for a big it. one, like like Fight Club is still such a quintessential I don't know, movie. Fight Club is like too sacred to spoil. Right, we'd be stealing it from the next generation if it's like referenced in other shows yeah. and stuff, where it's just like common knowledge to spoil it. Yeah. Our children and our children's children would never be able to be surprised by Fight Club, and what a terrible thing that would be I'm so if we do that to like, them. I'm so glad I had no idea. Uh, I love that. Because weeks before, I I had been in this conversation, literally with Brian and Nate sitting at this table. Mm -hmm. We were talking about Fight Club, and they're like, you know, it's like Fight Club. And then I was like, I haven't seen it. And they both just stopped talking. (laughs) Cheers. And they were both like, like, oh, we're not going to say anything else. And I was like, what do you mean? And so then I was like, I need to see this movie. So a couple weeks later, I went and I I watched it. And then I was like, guys. And we had a literal unspoken agreement. To never spoil yeah, we didn't talk about that. It no. just happened. No, they yeah. just were like, oh, you oh, haven't seen funny. it? We're going to stop talking. We're going to stop talking. That's cool. And I was like, what, what's the thing? You just follow up with, so you should see it. I knew that yeah. there was mm-hmm. like some kind of secret to it, but I didn't know what it was. So when I was watching it, I was like, why is it a secret? Because all I'd ever heard was like the number one rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. That's all I'd ever heard. And so then I watched it and I literally was so surprised. Yeah. And I won't say anything else. But I was so surprised. <laughs> okay, the surprise I, is Meatloaf right. is in it. Spoiler. I, I, yes. I, I, I keep forgetting say, that that's actually him. I'm going to be devil's advocate and disagree, though, okay. because I think at a certain point, um, it's on, if you haven't seen it. Before the end of Happy Hour? Oh my gosh, it's Happy Hour. Um, I'm good. Was it okay? So here's where I disagree. Okay. My, at a certain, I think at a certain point, it is your responsibility. It's not on. It's not the responsibility of other people to keep the spoiler from you. Unless you're talking about a generational difference. Okay. 
Yeah, but how? Because someone you, our how age, you fully, kind of, yeah, but okay. Like if there's a 17 year old kid who's just getting into film, if somebody spoiled Fight Club for him, that okay. would be a bummer. Okay, you know? I like I like where you're coming from. So, change my mind with this. And so, how would you? Because in my mind, I think about, I'm thinking about in the attempts to not spoil anything. I'm going to make a list of all the movies that are spoilable, right? And no. those are just the movies I'm not going to talk about until I figure out, until I learn someone else's I think place in that. Or how do you? Or do I, you just? I would, I would, I would follow Jordan's rule, which is just the empathetic approach, which is I, just like, would I want? How disappointed would I be if this had been spoiled for me? Here's the other piece of it. When you said generational, that made me have a thought. Fight Club came out before like the internet. Like, I mean, before the internet was, like, a thing. And so, like, we're in a different world now. So, like, Fight Club was able to be kept a secret because of when it came out. I think if I... It could I, only be spoiled in person. Like, it was so irrelevant by the time that I got old enough to find out about it that, like, the internet... Nobody was talking about Fight Club anymore, but if internet had existed the way that it does now and Fight Club had come out, I think I would know. Totally. Like, and yes. so I think that we're actually, mm-hmm. like... Yes, I didn't hear about, like, I don't know if it's 20 years old or whatever, but, like, 15, 20 years that I didn't get the spoilers from Fight Club. But, like, the truth is, it was a different, totally different time in history. Like, the world was different. Technology was different. We didn't have access to information. So, to that point, then, yes, I think two weeks is an awesome rule. Okay. There's another, I have another good example of that. You also changed my mind with that, because I love, that is, it totally changes if it's something like that. Then you're having empathy, I think, then just... The generational thing comes into yeah. play. That's a really good point. I've like, been yeah. I've been trying to think of other like famous spoil spoilable yes. movies. Loosely yes. the Matrix. Loosely the well, kind of the Matrix, but like uh, for me, another one that I, I remember, I actually was spoiled. <laughs> that spoil- was- That's only the tone of voice a response that a friend can give. Like kind of the Matrix, but mostly you're but wrong. mostly not. <laughs> <laughs> mostly not. <laughs> like, you can just instantly tell um, because you're good friends. Yeah. <laughs> but like no, uh, Family Guy spoiled Citizen Kane. Oh. oh yeah! Who the hell Did they is really? watching Citizen Kane? But, I watched but Citizen it's a, Kane, and it was the dumb. It was so oh, stupid. it's it's pretty it's pretty boring by today's <laughs> right. standards. But like, I hadn't like when I was eighteen when that episode came out, <laughs> and they abs one hundred percent just tell you the spoiler, the one big mystery in that movie. They spoil that it. Came out in like the nineteen. Which is the whole point of that movie? What is the whole point of that movie? Yeah. So now it's like, and that's the joke they're making. Is like, okay, I just say. Well, I think the, the line is, okay, I just just saved you two long boobless hours. <laughs> and this is why Nate is a good person because we watched that movie together once. Yeah. Nate knew this. Citizen it had Kane? been spoiled for him. We watched Citizen Kane together, and Nate did not show me the Family Guy clip until the movie was over. Until it was over. And the moment it was. Over, he showed me the family yeah. guy clip. <laughs> Were you guys there when we watched? Yes, it at, uh, at Jenny's or, house. Jenny? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, this is a really dumb thing to say out loud. I have not seen Citizen Kane. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's a, it's a uh, cinematic uh, masterpiece. That's a classic, but. It's, it's the slowest goddamn movie I've really? ever seen. It's, it's it's a very slow plotting. Family Guy on it, the way home. The reason it's, it's yeah. famous, like classics. I think yeah. here's the thing about a lot of classics, and we haven't even talked about Game of Thrones yet, so I'm sorry. But like, <laughs> the <laughs> thing about classics is that they become classics because they're the first to do something. But after like a hundred years, you've seen it because yeah. it's happened over and over and over again. So it doesn't mean that much to you. I Mostly. This, it's like music from the '70s, where you're like, oh, they're this, the really big band. Like, who is it? Like My Bloody Valentine, and people are like My Bloody Valentine. And then you're just sort of like, okay, whatever, because it's 2019. Yes. But they did something new in like 1989 or 90 or whatever the hell, whenever the record came out. Yeah. And so now we're just sort of like, meh. 
Once in a while, there's yes, an exception, I, though. Yes. Like, me and our friend Jake went to see the movie Seven Samurai, which came out in, like, black and white era, like the 40s or 1940s, something like that. And it's super long, and I was like, what is this? But we just wanted to see it, and it was incredible. And it's, like, basically the plot of... Ocean's Eleven and a million things where it's like you have, there's a problem and you have to like build the team and then there's kind of like a heist and there's a whole thing and you got to do it and this movie had like no special effects and the pacing was super slow because it was 1940 and it was still amazing. Yeah. So once in a while there's an exception. Yeah. That comes through the ages. Yeah. I actually I feel the same way when I'm talking to people that hate U2. Uh, the band U2. <laughs> right. Because my deal is you got to take it in the context. If you're listening right. to uh, yeah, Joshua yeah, yeah. Tree, you need to listen to what else was coming out that year right. and see how different it is. I had this experience with with my wife and uh, the movie The Breakfast Club. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Okay, Because, yeah. like, yes. that was, like, one of my favorite movies when I was in middle school. Yeah. And angsty I saw, teen movies. So angsty teen oh. movies from the 80s. They don't age well. Not for our generation. And so, yeah. like, if you didn't have a connection to them when you were a child... Trying to watch them now is the, the like the most tired cliche. In like mm -hmm. totally, yeah. they seem totally overdone. Like all the jokes are super cheesy. Yeah. But like you have to realize like like teen comedies exist because of movies like The Breakfast Club. Right. Like John Hughes created that genre. Or like, I mean I guess you oh, could say yeah. Animal House was probably the first sort of teen comedy, sort of you know college the sort of like college comedy. They, yeah. But like. Like it Breakfast is. Club, Sixteen totally Candles, right. Ferris yeah. Bueller's Day Off. If you didn't like those movies when you were a kid, for our generation, yeah. If you didn't watch them when they came out and love them then, yeah. you can't watch them today and think they're great. Like it's really rare for someone yeah, to do like that a really and, insightful art kid that and to really love yeah. it. Yeah. So like, interesting. That was her thing. I was, I was, I was so excited to show her this movie, and I don't even know if she finished it. Oh, really? Because she's like, this is really stupid. This seems like the most cliche movie I've ever seen in my life. It's like, well, this was the first one. Yeah. All these teen comedies are, like, based on this yeah. one, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. The, the nostalgia factor is Thank huge you. when you're talking about... Fulton, right? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that nostalgia factor is huge if you're, uh, if you're talking about movies that are more than, you know, 20 years old. If you didn't have that connection, it's hard to build it now. Yes. Okay, I feel the same way about uh, Adam Sandler movies. We were just before you got here. Before you got here, we were talking about Adam Sandler. Okay, yeah, what were you saying about it? Well, we were t we were talking about how we we were basically just referencing how he owned comedy for like four years. Yeah, like when he made oh, yeah. there was a string of like four or five years where he made four or five movies, mm -hmm. and he was the king of comedy in the nineties. Billy Madison, Billy Madison, and Happy, Gilmore, Happy Gilmore, Little Nicky, The Water Boy. Boy. Yeah, like and they're all just based on a silly voice that he did. Is like, those really silly voice? Like there weren't jokes. <laughs> yes, right. It was gimmicky. It was it was bits. It was like long set up bits. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then I said Anchorman came out, and finally jokes were in movies, and that changed comedy. And then there were jokes. Yeah. Okay, was Anchorman? That did I think that. It was that made a little bit it was because my friends. I remember I was. It was. Uh, I was in ninth or tenth grade, and my friends were like, "You've got to see Anchorman. It's going to be so awesome." And I was like, "What?" And then we saw it, and it totally changed everything. So how's it going? Um, hey, we're we bands for no profit, but you know. <laughs> so these guys came all the way from New Zealand. I saw them in the entry last night. So Alien Weapons. At the entry? So I was there. At the entry? Night. Please look up Alien Weaponry. Alien Weaponry. Alien Weaponry. Yeah, man. Don't, 
We're all musicians. We appreciate that you bought their merch. Thank you. You support. This is how you hold everything. Super yeah. cheers. Cheers, man. Super Wait. cheers. The alien weaponry plug right there. <laughs> the joys it. of doing this. Just had to get his message alien out. Alien weaponry. <laughs> hey, is this thing on? I got some things to say. <laughs> okay, uh, you... So I was you, saying Anchorman. Yes. Like, all yes. my friends were freaking out about Anchorman. I'm like, what's different about Anchorman? And we saw it. And I guess like right before Anchorman came out, Napoleon Dynamite. I was just gonna say that Napoleon Dynamite was the thing in my Napoleon Dynamite came, but that was like the weirdest like plotless, just like super weird character thing. That was like the the beginning of the awkward comedy. Yeah, awkward comedy, but very different class of comedy than Adam Sandler and than Anchorman. But then we get into Anchorman and it's like jokes. It's like SNL meets film. Yes. And that was when And that started that changed. whole scene and of movies like that. All of our humor changed. I mean, even the way that we mm. talk to our friends changed. Oh, yeah. I make different jokes to my friends because Anchorman came out. Interesting. I mean, I know we're talking about Game of Thrones. But no, we're I know. One, right 100%. No, I think... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking that... Um, the guy that... Lorne Michaels. Yeah. Of SNL. SNL yeah. He says he can always tell... Someone's favorite season. You always tell someone's age by their favorite season of SNL okay. because your favorite season was typically when you were in high school. He yeah. was saying of that because that's your sense. Whatever sense of humor is out and just find that yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah, when Will Ferrell was there, like that was oh, yeah. like right because yeah. we hit like oh, we those had Jeopardy episodes. Those Jeopardy episodes. Oh, with Sean Connery. Oh, yeah, like I burned and through and the Will Ferrell DVD. Yes. Like Wedding Crashers came out right then. The Step Brothers movie and I. I I avoid, started to avoid Will Ferrell movies for a while because he was like there was one every four weeks coming out so yeah, like oh yeah. Talladega Nights right. Step Brothers Anchorman I, I didn't see any of those until way later really I like yeah. I, I waited a few years because like what happened with Napoleon Dynamite happened with all those movies but because there was jokes all my friends were quoting all the jokes and so like when I like I was like, I, do I even need to go see it now? Like I've heard all the jokes. I don't need to go see it. And I was yes. so tired of people talking about it so that I, I didn't see like I didn't see Anchorman until like 2008. Oh man, because you always we always had the friend who was the joke repeater. Yeah, that their sense of humor was repeating yeah. the movie There's line joke. I, I was that person. There My was jokes are thing. literally movie quotes. It was always. the same thing. It was the same thing for me with it. Napoleon Dynamite too. It was like yeah. I didn't I didn't see that till years later because <laughs> I was like I've already seen the movie. I don't need to go see it. And then so when I yeah. saw the movie, I was like. Yeah, okay, I've heard every line. So, like, I didn't yeah. laugh at that Did movie. you guys get into, uh, I, I'm, I've been comparing with my friends, their, their childhood comedy taste. Did you guys get into Mystery Science Theater yes. or... Yes. Uh, my really? family loved Mystery Science Theater. Yes. Because that's yes. kind of a deep cut for some people. Did yeah. you guys... I was aware of it. I didn't really watch too much of it. It we was on too... It was on Monty too Python? Late. Oh, I was also huge, huge yes. Monty Python. I had, like, the DVDs of Flying Circus. Okay, so I didn't have that. But we watched Mystery Science Theater 3000 all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the reason I bring up Monty... You're neither. Neither. I did not I laugh as a child. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> we watched documentaries. <laughs> that was more of a documentary <laughs> television family. <laughs> Iowa farm boy. I feel like that's got something to do with that. Are you from Iowa? Where in Iowa? I'm an Iowa farm boy. Yeah. Carroll, which is west of Ames. Yeah. Where Iowa State is. Yeah. 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 yeah it was quaint. Quaint. It's, yeah. It's very quaint. That's why he's so strong. My wife uh, grew he's, up in Postville. He's farm, he's farm strong. Farm strong. Or Decora, if you've heard 
Yeah, that's like, like yeah, way that's northeast. way up north. That's but it's still like far. It's small, like yeah. small town. It's rural compared to Minneapolis, but yeah. maybe not to maybe not compared to Carroll. I mean, Carol. it doesn't really have farm street cred, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cars are big city. Yeah. Like if they have a stoplight, uh, they're already out. Yeah, those, <laughs> those Postville guys, they think they're so much better than everybody else with their two stoplights. Two stoplights. <laughs> uh, okay, the reason I ask about the Monty Python was. It's interesting that Monty Python was created so long ago, right. and then there can be a resurgence of all these teenagers that get their hands on it mm -hmm. and still find it funny, and, yep. I, and not in an ironic way. I don't feel like we were finding it funny I, no, to we, be ironic. No, I thought it was legitimately It was funny. hilarious. Yeah. So I'm wondering about like all the Adam Sandler movies. I'm wondering if in How a few years, <laughs> will there be like young kids, oh. like the post-millennials yeah. that, that get their hands on the Sandler movies and just think it's the funniest thing ever? I could see it, because he's in so many other things. Things where he's like trying to be a serious actor, yeah. And I could see some high schooler discovering it and being like, "Guys, there's this movie called Happy Gilmore, where it's that dude from that movie my, my dad likes. Yes, but he's ridiculous. Yeah, right. <laughs> never gets no, I just feel like no one's talking about Adam Sandler anymore. So well, he just oh, no. he just came out with a new like Netflix like comedy special. Did you watch that? I haven't watched it, but it's supposed to be pretty good. I heard I heard good reviews from it. Well, and I mean, it's, it's got some hilarious stuff. In it. Yeah. Like, have a resurgence in your career yeah. and like get people to vibe on your old movies. Yes, like. it's funny too because he in his Netflix special he still does his classic, uh, like song comedy. Yeah, like I don't song comedy isn't really a thing. Yeah, Steve I mean, Martin did it, and then yeah, Steve, Adam Sandler took up the cause. Yeah, and we have like the Weird Al Yankovic has the, yeah. Yeah, the but song he's comedy. Not TV only. Well, he, does, yeah, yeah, he doesn't do stand up. He does yeah. like concerts. He does like yeah, parody. yeah that's actually my, one of my first concerts. Is Weird Al. Yeah, <laughs> he puts on a damn good show. Really? Weird Al. Oh yeah, Weird Al's shows are incredible. Oh. I like heard him for the first time when I was just like. Four, six. Oh man, uh, I will don't also tell you. Don't go making phony calls. With my <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'll also tell you that um, his band is super well respected at Berkeley. Oh. Really? I had multiple professors tell me how good they thought his band was for their ability to mimic these all the these these huge legendary people from across That's this right. enormous spectrum they did it so well because they have to play it they have to recreate the, you can't yeah it's not weird al karaoke they're re-recording those songs yes and they make it sound just like it and so, like, that's a huge thing. Uh, that's a huge... They, they're very well thought of. The most, yeah. One of the most starstruck I've ever been was at the NAMM conference two years ago. <laughs> I was at a dinner with... Was it the one I was at with you? No. Uh, the one before. Did you... You didn't come to Buka, did you? No, I don't think so. Okay. Weird Al's drummer was there. <laughs> really? Whose name is John Schwartz, and they call him Bermuda. So... Bermuda Schwartz? Bermuda Schwartz, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but he was there. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's the greatest, the greatest thing. Um, but that's one of the most starstruck I've ever been. Really, being in the same room as Bermuda because I've yeah, you been, I've, been a, I've been a Weird Al fan since yes. I was like eight years old. Yes. Yeah. It is, awesome. but the fandom thing is funny because it does it has no relation to how many people know the person. You can, they can be the most obscure person ever, but if somehow you had been listening to them uh, when you were a kid. You're just gonna be like a total yeah. starstruck over it. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I did say something to him. I, I was like, did I you, can't get out of here without saying something. Oh, I was like so nervous. I was so nervous. I'd met a whole bunch of other like drummers but and stuff that I admired. Me, but, but like, as I was leaving, I was just. I, You're the I, reason I, I played I drums. Them. I just said, hey, 
sorry to bother you, yeah. you know. I came super Midwestern, <laughs> apologetic, you know. Sorry to bother you. Just want to say, like, oh, I've been so a good. Weird Al fan yeah. for a long time. It was actually the first concert I ever saw, or one of the first concerts I ever saw when I was, like, 10 years old. Uh, and all he said to me was like, oh, uh, no refunds. No refunds. Uh, <laughs> can't get your good. money back. Yeah, that's good. And that's why I, sh- I shook his hand and said, thank you. It was really... Was he cool? It was, super, it, was, it, was, it was very brief. It was very okay. brief. But he was very happy to shake my hand and say thanks. And it was gracious. And it was great. <laughs> but like, so good. I, I, I no sprinted out of the building after that. I was like, uh, <laughs> Yes. But yeah, that was one of the more nervous I've been to meet somebody was, was Weird Al's drummer. Yes. Okay, your Weird Al thing. I love, by the way, that this has come, gone completely away from Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's off the rails. I love okay. it. No, Can it's we good. get back on that? Uh, yeah, we will. We'll, we'll, get we'll bring there it back in just a second. We'll get there. Uh, uh, the, uh, what was I going to say with the... Oh, your comment with um, Weird Al made me think of... I think there's an arc in music. There's a really interesting arc with, with music with things like Weird Al or... If you don't know a ton about music, you really like it. You think, it's oh, this is crazy awesome. But then if you, as your knowledge of music, and maybe you play an instrument, goes up, then your cool factor goes up, and then you're like, oh, that's really, that's super dumb. But then you hit a level that you are proficient in music, and you know what's really happening, and you appreciate what's going on. Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. I, I, I get what you're saying. That, I, that like the casual musician who's just yes. trying to get started yes. could see Weird Al as being super dorky. Yes. Not not being interesting. Yes. But then when you think of like Berkeley professors saying how amazing his band is yeah. for their ability to recreate. Yeah, it yeah. brings a different level of cred. I would like to make a D&D comparison. Please. Oh, please bring it oh, to d so good. It might not be very deep, but it's like... You're talking strategy, you're in the middle of a game, you're trying to figure out what the hell you guys are going to do. You're in a yeah. weird situation, you got to get out of it. And suddenly, a the dungeon master yeah. is like, I'm going to metagame for a second. And then they metagame, and all of a sudden you see the world so much more clearly, and What's you know metagame? what to do. Metagaming is talking about the game out of context. And you so, can't uh, use that information. It's like breaking the fourth yeah. wall, kind okay. of. Yeah. And so, like, you, he's, you know, he being Nate Babs, my dungeon master, is suddenly <laughs> saying, like, I want you to think about this situation remembering yep. these facts. And then you're like, oh my god, it makes so much sense. Now I know what I'm supposed to do. And I feel that way about, like, Weird Al Yankovic. Like, if you're just, you're like, he's so annoying, and he's making these joke songs about about whatever, and it's stupid, (laughs) and, like, whatever. But then suddenly, you see the big picture, and you're like, what's the meta-narrative of music, and of culture, and of society, and of the songs, and what those songs are about? And he suddenly sees things in a way that you're like, I've been so naive and so narrow-minded. And he, like, pulls all these things together and makes it just, like, oh, he gets it. Like, he's doing something different and amazing and insightful and genius. And you're like, but it's just Weird Al. But that's, like, the dungeon... D&D. Oh, that's <laughs> that. so good. Metagaming versus just in-the-game strategizing. Yeah. I love that. Interesting. Whereas Macaulay Culkin's band, The Pizza Underground, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, a less prodigious group, lesser yeah. output, yeah. also about food, yeah, also equal about number food. of songs about food, but we don't take them seriously. Yeah. But then, okay, but then the, neta, the meta-narrative, like you said, is you have to tell them, well, you know they're, all those are covers of Velvet Underground, right? Sure, 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 right. yeah. yeah, yeah. So then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, now I see the pizza, and now I see kind of things, maybe you're not taking it seriously. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay, not to take this too deep, but... Take it deep. All right, take two, it deep. All right, 
the, the two things that stood out in, in what you just said to me are one, the, the only way the only way to enjoy anything, no matter how nerdy it is, is to give into it. You have to yeah. fully um, like. That is my entire life, Rob. Is it really? That is my entire <laughs> life. Yes, I do. I That's do know that. We talked about that. We talked about that on our. Yeah, I when I was, I was on, I was episode like nine or ten or something yeah, yeah. like that, and that was the big, a big part of it was just like finally going. I don't care anymore what people yes. think. I just have to do it. Nate, hell yes. Yeah, yeah. and. Yeah, and I don't want to derail your no, thought too go, much. Go with it, but go with it. That, that that has been a point of conflict for me with Game of Thrones, which is Game of Thrones mainstreamed the fantasy genre, this thing that I've loved for so long. It mainstreamed it in a way that like nothing else has. Oh, and okay. and I feel I feel two things. I feel gratitude. Yeah. And I feel resentment. Mm-hmm. Because As the mainstreaming does. And my my if my yeah, wife yeah. ever listens to this, she's gonna be nodding right now, talking about how <laughs> how protective I am of the word nerd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I used to be teased for liking this stuff, and now the people, the same thing is happening with D and D right now too, is that the people who used to bully and antagonize and make life a living hell for people who were into it are now trying to do those things and I feel very protective of it for that reason and yes. so like they're trying to appropriate it for they're, you they're, oh, they're, yes. it, it feels yeah, yeah. it feels like an invasion nerd appropriation of just like, of just yes. like you're, you don't get to nerd like invasion. this because like, I defended this with my honor yes. for decades and, and my yes. body in, in middle school literally like, yes and so like just because we added nudity to it doesn't mean that you can have <laughs> or, or for whatever reason like yeah. just like now you pretend like you think it's great it's like yes. no you kicked my ass for that in middle school like you don't get to call yourself a nerd because you like Game of Thrones like no you know yeah. and so I, I feel I have a conflict with these things that I love becoming very popular mm. and I don't I, well, it's I, weird I, because you can share them with more people yes like and Ryan I don't want to be a gatekeeper. I, I don't want to be a gatekeeper. Right, you share them with a broader audience, but now that means that people who maybe aren't worthy are enjoying it. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's where the conflict comes in, because I love yeah. sort of spreading the gospel of my nerdiness now. It's like my favorite thing. It's like these two people I have converted in a way that I never dreamed yeah. I would do. The fact that you guys are doing Dungeons and Dragons for like is amazing they've been in my group too. for like two years. We've been playing the same game yes. for like two yeah, years. Yeah. Um, so we're they're only at level oh, six, but whatever. But they're but we play once every like three months. Yeah. But, so like they're in, and that's oh, yeah. awesome. I'm so stoked about that. And so I have no qualms about these people getting into it. But then when like you know Joe Schmo, white cap, backwards, like is talking about how kick-ass Game of Thrones is, I go like. <gasps> That's my thing. You don't get to do that. Like okay. you're the person who would antagonize me in school for yeah. liking this stuff. Yeah. Like, I I don't want to let them in. <laughs> okay, I, I, but there's nothing I can do. I'm not gonna yeah. stop anybody. But like it, it, that's that's a point of conflict yes. for this lifelong. Okay, so what comes to mind with that is that uh, Renfest, right? Oh yeah. You have a bunch of people you, that you can tell you're not really into this. You're kind of like half mocking all this. Yeah. Uh, but. The, but you can so you can tell that uh, when someone act, when someone when someone well like, I don't like I've never had a problem if we're talking Renfest I've never had a problem with somebody not dressing up you know like not everybody that's their thing and that's totally oh, yeah, yeah. fine 
it's it's the people who kind of float in the middle that bother me. That dress up like Darth Vader like the or lukewarm ambivalence. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And like, because are you talking about like the cross pollen, like the Darth Vaders or the, the like, like the, the like the steampunk stuff where like yeah. we get a lot of like Star Trek, yeah, and like Doctor Who and like Comic Con stuff, like anime. People uh, dress up in, as Pikachu. Oh yeah. Like people dress up as like. Feel really unrelated like, to me, but whatever. Feels like like people come as video game characters, you know. Mm. And so like. This Renfest loving nerd is very upset by that. I'm not going to be the guy to call them out. Actually, yeah, I'm never going to approach yeah. somebody. What but are like, you doing in this? but they're just they're just they're messing they're out. messing with my vibe, and it feels like it it doesn't feel like it's coming from a place of genuine enjoyment. It feels okay. like so. Compare that to yeah. the reason I brought the Renfest up. Yeah, to yeah. Compare, how do you compare that to um, the people taking it over? in like the massive scale way. Do you feel like there's genuine enjoyment by everybody with Game of Thrones? Or do you think there's a lot of bandwagony? Well, I, I mean I'm sure I'm sure there is some of that. But honestly, like I have seen like just based on the amount of activity that there is mm-hmm. like online, how many things you can find of people talking about it. Yeah. And how and how much they know about it. Like, yeah. So like I do understand that these people aren't that like just because there's more people doesn't make them any less into it. Yeah. But it's just that's been a hard pill for me to swallow. Yes. But I, I fully understand that like that doesn't mean they can't enjoy. Yes. It. And they and or that they don't genuinely I, enjoy. I it. actually I know have that, that with uh, Harry Potter. Sure. Because I like Harry Potter a ton. Yeah. But I, it's it's my thing. My world of Harry Potter is is very personal. Like reading yes. the books, listening to audio books, whatever. Oh, you do so, the audiobook thing with that? Yeah, I've done the yeah. audiobook. So the level of my Harry Potter is like is going through the movies, going through the books, going through the audiobooks. Yeah. If you've listened to audiobooks, and like that, that don't cycle, even get me just going through that cycle. Don't even get me started on Jim Dale, Jim Dale. versus Stephen Fry. Jim Dale's the man. Stephen Fry is the only one. <laughs> Stephen uh, Okay. <laughs> I don't even agree to disagree because you're just wrong about that one. <laughs> no, but anyway, I just I have a hard time going to Harry Potter of themed events. Because I, it's just, it, it just, uh, it, it almost like sands down my skin straight down to my ego, and I just like, I don't want to share this with you. You, you, you shouldn't be into this. This is my thing. Uh, yeah. I don't like sharing it. I don't. I so I didn't know if that was your. Don't even get me started. You're a Jim Dale guy. Jim Dale's amazing. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, I love that we, by the way, haven't talked about Game of Thrones at all. Hardly, yeah, no. I, okay. think, I think the, the pump is primed for it. I think we're already... <laughs> the, pump, the pump is primed for it. I will... Okay, side note, before the, before we go into it, yeah. maybe, we don't even, maybe we don't even go into it with this, by the way. Ooh, yeah. Uh, but... Like, I will stay here all night once these guys leave and talk to you about <laughs> Oh, yeah, we'll talk about it for sure. I've got a good hour left before I can drive, so... <laughs> the, okay... Uh, but I, what, what something, you, man? Your whole deal really hit me with the. I wrote down the meta narrative. Yes. And I wonder if it'd be really cool in in music if we had like a, if you had an event. It'd be really cool if you could be if you could do something. I'm just kind of formulating this right now. But if you could you could have an event where you have someone explain the narr- meta narrative before you listen to something. So maybe it'd be like a listening party to an album. Uh, like you, if you release an album, yeah. it'd be cool. Like sit down. Wouldn't that be fun if you're like, hey, let's talk about this next song. This is like our approach. It's kind of like the song like exploder. Bef- like before, oh, like b- before b- you listen b- to before it. Before you listen to it for the yeah, first time. Yeah, it'd be cool. Or I don't know, like a classic album. Be, I just feel like that'd be a fun event to sit down and have a group of people get together with a 
a classic album and have someone say, okay, in this next song, everybody's... You have, like, like Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Yes, yes, and you'd have ten people, uh, or however many songs on the album. I think, I think a more interesting version of that yeah. would be everybody digests after the fact. Because if you, if you lay it out ahead of time, you are guiding everybody's perception of it in a way that like would narrow okay. the view. Like you wouldn't get a bro- as broad a range of opinions if you laid it out ahead. Yeah, okay. I, have, Interesting. I have a yeah. deep thoughts on that if we're give, shifting to music because sure, give it to me, yeah. I feel like every time that you perform a song, you are giving a gift to those people and that they get to attach their life to it. Totally. And so if at any point I interrupt that process of them creating their own schema from that song mm-hmm. or just detaching that their own schema from yeah. that song by making it about me, like I'm robbing them of an experience that I originally intended to give them. Okay. And so um, that might seem, might seem complex, but for instance, when I was in high school, I really liked a song by the band The Fray, and I was like, this song is my life. Do you remember what song it was? It was called Cable Car. And oh, I remember yeah. like being like, this is everything. And then I read the story behind the song, and I was pissed. I was like, this song doesn't mean a damn thing to me anymore. And yes. I was mad. And I was like, I don't ever want to know why somebody wrote a song again. I want to mm. just know why it means something to me. And so what I would maybe accept or embrace is if somebody said, I want you to think about these ideas when you hear this song, but I wouldn't want somebody to tell me why they wrote the song or what the song is about because it would rob me. Um, you can't put your own I can't print on make it, it yeah. mine. I can't own have ownership of it. Yeah. And that's part of yeah. what art is, is how yeah. you own the experience of engaging with the piece of art. Yeah. And so I think that that would take life away from the art itself. It would take meaning from it. Yes. And so I think there's a way to to maybe introduce a meta-narrative of being like, for instance, I was at a wildly inspiring show by Sharonova from the band My Brightest Diamond, and she just said, have you ever been in a situation where you've been accused of doing something that, like, you've been accused of doing something wrong that you weren't doing? And everyone in the crowd was like, yes. And then she goes, this song is for Trayvon Martin. And she played this fucking awesome song. And we were just like, oh my god. It was like wild. But suddenly, like, yes, she gave us part of it. But she also made it ours by saying, like, have you ever been accused of something that you didn't do? And so we had ownership of it. But then she said, like, this is who it's for. So we could also think about the big picture, too. And she gave me this duality in the experience of the song that I'd never really maybe experienced yeah. in a concert, where I could both be appreciating it as a consumer, but then be appreciating it as an individual, like living it and observing it at the same time, being like, per se, in the snow globe, but outside yeah. of it. Yeah. Like, that fine I don't line know. between you're framing it and yeah. giving it context, but still leaving some vagueness to so it. So that a people bit. can attach themselves yes. to it. Yes. Because yeah. that, okay, that that's interesting because that's something I am fascinated with, with in the fact of with storytelling. If you are in movies or a book, storytelling is a, lot, a, a big thing that people get wrong is they 
think they want to overexplain things to everybody. But the most valuable thing is to say two plus two and give the equation and let the audience say, oh, that equals four, instead of saying, here's the whole equation and the answer. Yeah. There's the, something more valuable to feeling. Because some people are going to hear that equation, they're going to be like, what is two? Yeah, and then what is people two? are going to be like, four. <laughs> yeah. I, had an like, I had an English professor in college who, I, I struggled with this as a writer for him, but he would always say, don't tell me, show me. Hell yes, that's and it. That's, yes. And that's it. So like, you don't have to explain how somebody is a certain way. You just have them do something and the audience goes, oh, that's the way they are. Yes. And they can then, like, it's not that you're feeding somebody, but like, you're letting them discover it organically and it's much more powerful when they can discover it on their own. I think yes. that is, that's like the approach of a teacher. Right. Yeah. Teachers need to teach you how to learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that art, as an ambassador of art to people, yeah. it's my job to teach people how to engage in art and not mm -hmm. to tell them what to engage in, like, or exactly what to experience, Yeah. but to give them the tools they need to experience art on their own. Yes. Okay, that's fascinating. I've been, that's a fascinating. Give me your opinion on this then. How, as an artist, do you paint a picture how do you show someone in music without telling them what to hear when it comes to right. describing I, your album or something well I mean for instance I was at a show the other day and although I'm already a musician I don't play every instrument so mm. like it's something that I have to learn as a consumer. I guess it's, I guess like music has so many layers and yeah. it can go as deep as you want it to go as yeah. a consumer. So like, I guess I, as an artist, want to put out art that has multiple layers. It's like you can either just enjoy the sound or you can listen to the lyrics or you can listen to the bass line or you can listen to the drum beat and how different and weird it is. Like you can appreciate all these different things because when I create art, I want to create a holistic experience where like wherever, whatever level that you're at, you can engage with it. Yeah. And so I think that like it depends on I guess I'm sort of derailing what you just said. I'm sort of No, I love track this. I love yeah, I but, love it. Um but like there's so many layers. So like I was at a Chris Cosa show the other day and his bass player did like this crazy like line at the end of the song and and the he whole rules, show was by awesome. The way. Yes, he rolled. And I can't remember the name of his bass player, but Alex Young and I were watching this set and it was like a fine set. Chris Cosa was rad. Like we were at Bauhaus, it was freezing cold, it was art of yeah. world, and then all of a sudden like his bass player just is like and we were just like, Oh and like we had this moment and I'm like I'm not a bass player but like I've learned as a consumer like I could totally miss bass altogether mm. because bass is an easy as you know an easy instrument to not hear mm. it just it creates a feeling and a vibe that people don't really know what they're feeling or vibing on but they just know it's there and so but like for a moment I was like I'm focusing on the bass and the bass player just this crazy thing and we both heard it and we both had this moment but there were like 90 other people who did not hear it. And yeah. so I think that the truth is as an artist, you put it out there, you make it available, and then you let them either consume it or not consume it. And it's for the people who hear it. It's for mm. the people who experience it. And so you can offer that to people in a pamphlet, for, mm -hmm. perhaps, mm -hmm. and train them on how to hear it. But like, for me, it was like, I was listening, wanting something deeper than just a song. Yeah. I wanted to hear the talent. I wanted to hear the nuance. And so I sought that out and then I caught that moment. And so, um, 
I'm blocking Nate in from the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah drinking oh. beer. <laughs> um, and so that's, I guess, how I would answer that sort of inquiry is to say that like you could create a pamphlet that like introduces people to the idea of like did you hear anything interesting but if like they it's almost like you have to go through like years of just like okay now I hear songs and I experience emotions yes. and now I'm past the emotions and I'm into the technique and then like and now I'm into the notes and now because uh -huh. there's so many components in every song and now I'm into the rhythm and like that day I could have just been focusing on drums but like but yeah. I, was, I was not. I was focusing on bass that moment, you know. I don't know. There's just so many levels to engage in music. Yes. I think on painting, in movies, in, and I, on the other hand, like for film, film does not touch me. Like, I know so many people who are so moved by film because they take it, like, all they think about the meta-narrative. And I'm like, I don't know, I just watch a thing for two hours. Yeah. But, like, that... That doesn't strike me like the same way that mm. it does for other people, and they find connections to themselves, and they find connections to the yes. world. Okay. And I watch a movie, and I'm like, wow, I was totally just entertained, and I didn't think about anything else for two hours. Like, yeah. So, I think it strikes everyone differently. I don't think you can make people be insightful. I think you can invite them to be, but I don't. But it's like, but it's up to them to accept the journey, take the blue pill or the red pill, right? Yeah. To not just spoil the matrix, he takes the blue pill. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Here's the tangent that leads me on is I do like the idea Top that shit of way. like Holy I'll crap. try. Here we go, ramping up. Oh my gosh. <sighs> that yeah. I like it. the idea of the the pamphlets of like basically provoking thoughts of being provocative. Yeah. And I think a lot of my favorite songwriters are provocative in their lyrics. Like I love Anais Mitchell and I love Madison Cunningham and they have like very specific lyrics yes. to the point that sometimes I'm like, well in that situation I wouldn't do that. But that like provokes me to think like, well what would I do in that situation? And so I love really specific lyrics. Because um, I think even in, in doing so, if it's vague, clearly there's a lot of room for you to insert yourself. But I think if it's specific, you're comparing that specificity to yourself. And so I think yes. that's that's what I love. That is, okay, so what you just said is a, a kind of a big frustration of mine is that people, um, people confuse defining with uh, particulars. So in the sense of, and I mean, by that I mean when it comes to music, art, or everything you're just talking about, the more particular you can be about your about your situation, uh, that actually invites other people's universals to connect to that. So you, can, you it's almost like a, it's almost counterintuitive. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up, and we're gonna nerd out with Game of Thrones <laughs> off camera because okay, here's the deal. You, Jordan, you wrapped up to me. Um, you're, inv you're talking about inviting people to be insightful about things and you can't force them. To me, that is the perfect analogy for everything we've been talking about. The greatest, the greatest like nerdy books are like yeah. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. It all is, it all has enough depth that the coolest thing to me about Harry Potter is that you get the sense that um, even if it's not written down in the books, uh, uh, Rowling knows every detail about that world and you can go in as deep as you want to yeah. or you can go as light as you want to that, okay that's maybe the question for me like how do I invite people to be insightful without forcing them or telling them what they should be insightful about yeah because I think that's actually a weakness of mine mm. is over defining the things I am creating with people 
Yeah, well, I, I want a chronic over-explainer, oh I my can gosh, completely yeah. relate to myself about my, what I just yes. said. Yeah. You're reading my mail right well, with but that. But then I think, too, like, it's the responsibility, too, of an artist to create art. Now, this is, I can't judge other people's art and whatever, yeah. but, like, I think it is, as an artist, I take it very seriously, the responsibility to create art that has is multi-dimensional and has multiple depths for people to engage with. And maybe, like, some art needs to exist for just that entry level, like, um, I'll do one more, and if we get, get a brief on that, that'd be great. Um, I'll do another yeah. Fuller's, whatever well, this was. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, like, when I create art, I'm thinking about my audience and thinking, like, I want them to have access to something deeper than just what's on the surface. Mm-hmm. And so I create this multidimensional art that's, like, both musical but also thoughtful and also, mm. like, multidimensional and also multimedia. So it's not just something they hear but something they see and something that, like, a comprehensive mm. experience that they can engage with at whatever level that they want. And yeah. maybe nobody engages with it at 100% the level that I intend. But for me as a person, like as an artist, as a creator, I need to create something that's 100% wholly myself giving to this endeavor. And yeah. so if anybody wants to absorb it or engage with it at that depth, it's there and available for them. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there's so many different forms of art. And, like, when I see art, I try to understand, like, the depth of what the artist was trying to experience yeah. when they made it. Because, yes, I want to create my own story from it, too. But I know that they didn't just create that because, like, well, some people, like, they sell out and they're just like, whatever, this stuff sells, so I'm making this. But most people... You're just regurgitating a formula. Yes. Yeah. But most people creating art are doing it because they're compulsively, they need to create art. Yeah. And so they do it because it gives them life and it gives them purpose. And so, like, I, as as a person who engages with art, I want to give them that gift of receiving it as something that has purpose and has depth. And so I want to take it all the way down to, like, the core of what it is when I consume it. And so that's, like, me, one artist to another, respecting the art. But, I mean, but I would ask then that, like, if you're going to create art, like, be intentional you know not that there is you know whatever it's not yeah. like a five-year-old is trying to like change the world but like they're they have intent and purpose when they're making whatever painting they're making and that it and even when you're five you can draw a picture of your dad and it it's like this is who my dad is yeah and they're like he is a circle with eyes and arms <laughs> yeah. and, and, and this fully represents and this my dad. is my whole yeah. dad yeah and like and you realize like that is who they see yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be sophisticated, mm-hmm. but it was intentional. Yeah. You know? Oh, my gosh. Okay. See? This is great because <laughs> here I am. I'm winding the conversation down, closing it down, away from Game of Thrones. We're not going to go back to it. And here you go, pulling us back to Game of Thrones because that everything you said right there is exactly why Nate freaking Babs is pissed with season eight of Game of Thrones. Totally. Because, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally just assume, yep. because it doesn't feel like they... Um, it doesn't like feel they didn't have any depth. It doesn't feel intentional. They just. Intentional. What do people want? I don't even know what they're. Th- I can't assume what they're thinking. But it just is like we're wrapping up loose ends. It feels like shallow. they went for the easiest version. E- yes. Yes. Like whatever would explain something Hell yeah. that with with the least amount of effort. That's yeah. what they did. It was with it was completely without intention. It was it yeah. was completely disingenuous to me. It was yes. just like add whatever. Just whatever. Yeah. It, it felt like they were riding on. It's Game of Thrones. People are gonna love it. So whatever mm. we do, we'll be fine. 
That's Which what it is interesting because like. I feel that way with music. If I feel like someone took the cheap, you can kind of you, you can, can sense, sense you can feel it. it. You can Absolutely. feel it. Even even like you know, it, you don't have to be a musician to tell when someone's phoning it in. Yeah. Like yeah. when somebody isn't putting on a genuine performance. Like if you can like without being able to explain why, mm. someone who knows nothing about music will go. Hey, it was okay. Even if like that musician is proficient, but if 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 that performance is bad. It's, it's bad, and like you can't, you can't, you can't fool your audience, you know, oh with with gosh. something with something that you don't. If you if you're not feeling it, we won't feel it. Well, and, and literally yeah. to that point, when I went and saw um, an artist, my brightest diamond, at a show recently, she's like my favorite artist, amazing. Um, this I don't know if I mentioned earlier I was at a show recently that like you have such mind. a great memory by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I I brought I don't know if I brought this up maybe I was just thinking about it but her name's Sharonova and she has this new album A Million and One and I just saw her at Cedar Cultural Center not that long ago and she's this outrageous musician and she made so many mistakes during her show but <laughs> yeah. like during that show it yeah. was mind blowing to me I was like it didn't matter. It was the first time I, like, Thank you. usually if someone's, like, a total professional and they're making mistakes, I get really annoyed and I'm like, you're unprofessional. But she's the first concert where I've ever been to where she made all kinds of mistakes and it just, you realize, like, it was so transcendental, you're like, it wasn't the point. Getting it right wasn't the point, is that she was creating an experience for us to engage with. It was so sincere and so, mm. so genuine and so deep that, like, the mistakes were just, like, didn't even matter. Yeah. It wasn't about being perfect, it was about creating this moment that we shared yeah. and and like that was and it was the best concert I've ever seen in my life it was oh man that's cool because the two things from those two uh, you guys' two points is that stands out to me is yours is I get, you get hung up on that when you first get into music. You think, yeah. oh, the technique and all these yeah. little the details, but none of nobody gives a crap. I say this to my students all the time, my drum students constantly. Like, if you don't feel it, we won't feel it. Mm. Doesn't matter yeah. what you're executing. Hell yes. If you're not feeling it, we won't. Yeah. So like, I have so many students who can play complicated patterns and they can do difficult things, but I tell them like, you're not moving. You're just sitting there and executing a thing. Like, I don't see you feeling it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, like, like, some of the greatest drummers of all time were not the best drummers. Yeah. Yes. And that's another they, that's another weakness I see of other young musicians is thinking, well, if I'm moving, then, no, emotion, emotion follows physicality a lot of times. It, so it, like they, they, are, they are tied, and you have, tied, to, you have yeah. to figure out what that relationship means for you. Yeah, that's so I tell them, to don't manufacture extra wow. movement just for the sake of That's it. That's what I was trying that. to say. But, that's great. But, like, they are tied. Yeah. If you are holding still and not moving mm-hmm. and not clearly not feeling it, yeah. then the audience isn't going to feel it either. And so, like, it doesn't matter. They won't care what you're capable of. Yeah. They're only going to care what they feel at the time. Yeah. Well, right. And in the words of Matt Patrick, who I asked one time, like, who should I, you know, hire for the show I'm playing? Like, and he'd be, and he would give me a list of names. He's like, this person is technically amazing, but lacks emotion. And I was, and he's like, and he's like, I will always choose somebody who emotes over someone who is technically correct. And I'm like, okay, like, good to know. Interesting. Oh man, that's it. That's really cool. That's cool to hear from someone as like we all look up to, yes. like Matt. Uh, and 
it makes me think of, oh man, I'm just, it's just bugging me because I've met um, the bass player you're talking about, that you uh, were totally digging the bass line. For up, Chris Collins, yeah. yes, I can't remember his name. But you most likely were not thinking, oh man, the bass line's so sweet because, you know, he approached he approached it camaraderically from the top yeah, and like all the these technical one. shit. Like, like no one gives a crap about that. Yeah. yeah. No, it's that he was in the moment, you have all these things in your toolbox that you can just crush and then you don't have to think about it in yeah. the moment hopefully um and then your thing okay your thing you were saying earlier about um okay all this is interesting because as we talk about technicality and emotion it's funny because we think that even what you're talking about about how people are almost appropriating this the, the approach coming in and not knowing anything about the genre or the the story i find it interesting that you don't need to be super crazy deep into music or into fantasy or anything to, there's something about even people that have never seen Game of Thrones can tell that it, they're taking the cheap way out there's, there's people yeah. can feel in the moment of the, of the concert or whatever it is that I don't, I don't play bass but I can tell that something's not in it so it's interesting that if you go deep enough you can realize what it is it's, it's the, it's the same thing that comedians say is that like you can't you can pretend to be serious but you can't pretend to be funny oh. <laughs> hell yes like hell if yes. you're not funny the people won't laugh and yeah. it's they just it's because they can tell you're not funny and, it, and there's nothing more complex yeah. to say about it than that it's just like if you're not a funny person they won't laugh you can't fake that that's a, Some, that's a yeah. thing that you cannot Fake. Sometimes I wish there's that reaction in music where, when you're a comedian, you can there's a physical like letting out of air when you do something that triggers something. People, no one goes, oh, huh, in music. No one has like a physical reaction to right. I, I, maybe I, crying. I think I think the mus the musician the musician equivalent of faking it is hiding behind uh, spectacle. So like hiding behind like technique or hiding yeah. behind. A light show, or something, or an outfit, or something. Anything to distract yeah. from the fact that, like, I'm kind of phoning it in right Man, now. And I've seen great musicians like accidentally get buried in something else. Like I saw Tune Yards, you know Tune Yards. Oh yes, I. Mm. It's this one woman named Meryl Garbus who has a band behind her, and she is just the goddamn gangster. <laughs> she is, and she has a song about it too. Yeah. Uh, and I stumbled upon her the one time I was at South by Southwest. And just didn't know who she was. You just saw, saw her. There. You got to see him. I got to see her oh, like before so the big album came out. Oh, I'm so jealous. With like no tech, with no nothing, just like on a sweaty stage, and she was amazing. She I'm was writing incredible. down Tune Yards. Tune Yards. It's tune hyphen yards. Yeah, I got it. Cool. Um, and then I saw her. I saw her one more time at the Cedar when she was still pretty small, and it was great. And then like the next album came out, and I saw her at First Avenue, yeah. and like they had a whole like big tech thing. They had set pieces, they had all kinds of lighting, and it was boring. Yeah. Like because the focus was on that, and the focus wasn't just on her like doing a crazy looping shit, and I, just hitting the drums yeah. so hard. Yeah. I went to see awesome. Lana Del Rey at the Target Center, most boring show I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yeah, she literally just walked around, and she had like background dancers and an amazing band and this crazy set, and it was like she literally like just walked around and sort of like talk sang into her mic, whisper sang for like an hour and a half, and I was like, when is this show gonna be over? Mm. I like came hoping to in be inspired because it was like she's. This, got yeah. this music and she's you know I want to see the show how does she put it together yeah. and I I remember like we left before the encore because we're like when I was like I don't want to stay for the encore because I was just I don't I've had enough I wonder if that's Game of Thrones style too 
where you every every episode is a freaking movie, or at least you don't you have the name behind you. You have once you get to a certain level as an artist, then well you're big enough. People are gonna buy tickets either way. Yeah. yeah. To it, you don't have to. You're not you're not trying to. You're not showing up at Seventh Street entry. You have and you having have something the, to prove. You have the flexibility. You have the wiggle room to like maybe not give a hundred percent, and and people are still gonna show up. Yeah. Just because they want the closure, or like yeah. they want, they want to see what comes next. Yes. I mean, isn't that the definition of like selling out? Oh. Yes. hundred percent. That is what it is. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Maybe the debt. Yeah. It's not it has nothing to do with money or anything else. It's that. Yeah. You're like whatever. I made it. People uh, love me anyway. It's like whatever Elvis. You know, is in his forties. I can put out whatever I want, and people are gonna lap it up. Yeah. Because of my oh earlier my greatness. <laughs> I've never thought about that. The selling out, because I've always thought of selling out as, you know, you know, yo, you're just doing a sponsorship with Nike or something where people say, that's nothing. You no, pay, that's the, making, pay the freaking bills, man. Yeah, that's man. making money. That's, yeah. Like, yeah. Ex- that's exploiting your art like in a way oh. that I think can be profitable and, and wise. But when you use your previous art as an excuse to make mediocre art, mediocre art that's selling out. Yeah. Holy shit. That's so good. Okay. I want to be respectful of your guys' time. you got to go here soon. I let's got like 10 minutes. Ra- oh, man. Golden. Uh, let's wrap it up. Let's end there. I could... Are we, like every uh, every Thursday, we're gonna start doing this now. <laughs> yeah. you guys are in, right? that's, yes. that's a binding contract. Do not, do not threaten me with a good our time, Rob. To oh, our Rob Morgan. Oh uh, yeah. Is a curious Standard person. meeting every Thursday night. Oh, this rule. Okay. Thanks for hanging out. I I've got nothing. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love that it. That took a turn. I, I feel like we really I feel like we really dove into Game of Thrones right there. Great. The good thing is you don't have to put spoiler on the you name have to of put this. Spoiler. Oh, we didn't spoil anything. Yeah. yeah. We oh, literally man, didn't talk about so it at good. all. No, it's fine. That's yeah. this is way better. Hey, this is Rob. And before you go, before I play a couple of these songs for you, uh, I just want to say a massive thank you to Merlin's Rest in South Minneapolis. Super accommodating, super gracious. I w- I'm going to go as far to say the greatest scotch selection, if you're into scotch whiskey, in the Twin Cities. Check them out. Find them on the map online at thecuriouspod.com map. The first song I'm playing for you tonight is Jordan Myers, who you're listening to talk. It's her band, Jor. The single is called Black Hole, and the second song is by the band Oklahoma. Again, I'm playing with them this week, Late Harriet in Minneapolis, Minnesota, June 20th at 7.30 p.m. Swing on out. The song's called Talking Cheap. Information and links to both of their music if you want to listen to more is in the show notes. All right, here's George. Loving you is a black, black hole. Loving you is a black, black hole. A starving fire, a vacuum soul. Loving you. Is a black, black hole. You're the kind of hole that hurts. If there is a last word, I'm first Your foot is always in the door You 
been, has been to death But then again, it's always felt nice, right? Everything that starts may come apart But then will we be better? This is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. If you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. <laughs> also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at Rob Morgan, whatever. You 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 know the drill. Alright, enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, <laughs> I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast, or else I'd have to tell you, podcasting makes me thirsty, and nothing quenches a podcast thirst, whether you're listening, uh, interviewing editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey, Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. All right. That's it. Thanks. <laughs>
I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Say the most random thing you can think of. No. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>